This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Getting you ready for a college football Saturday. This is BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Welcome, welcome, welcome to BetQLU. As the introduction suggests, my name is Jeffrey Wright. I'm the co-host of the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show. Weekdays in Memphis, Tennessee. You can also stream us live on the Odyssey app, 2 until 4 local time. You can follow me on Twitter at JWright929ESPN. My co-host is RJ Choppy, of course. The co-host of Shannon RJ, Monday through Friday, 5.30 a.m. until 10 a.m. on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. He's on Twitter at RJ Choppy. RJ, it seemed as if on Tuesday night there were two camps of college football observers, people that absolutely knew exactly what was going to happen with the rankings, and then people that were predetermined to be outraged by Cincinnati despite having not actually watched Cincinnati play football. Which of the two camps did you fall in? <laughs> um, I-, I thought Cincinnati was either going to be number two or number eight. Uh, <laughs> you know, there was, there was two ways they could go about it. Uh, I wasn't outraged. Um, you know, Cincinnati has not played great the last two weeks. And when you're a group of five team, beating Navy by seven and, you know, struggling with, what, Tulane, those are losses. Th- those, those might as well have been losses. Um, I, I'll tell you this. I was surprised Alabama was two. Yeah, I, I think I think that to me – I. Before we get to Alabama, because I agree with you, I actually thought that was the biggest surprise of all, and we'll go into the significance of it in just a moment. But on Cincinnati, like, let's also keep it in perspective. They do have a great win against Notre Dame at yeah. Notre Dame. There's no denying it. Notre Dame, I believe, has not lost at home since 2018 when Georgia came up there. Like, that is a great win. They were also ahead of Oklahoma, who's an undefeated Power Five. They were yeah. ahead of Wake Forest. The truth is, they. They were kind of ranked based on where they were, but you look at their, you look at who they played. Their opponents are twenty-four and thirty-three. They've even RJ. It it looks fine when you see it. The Murray State final score, that game was like within a touchdown at half, and the final score got out of hand. And Murray State's a three and five FCS team. It's not as if this team is without scrutiny, right. but I do think you can hold these two opinions. Number one, Cincinnati probably gets picked with a finer tooth comb than some of the power five teams. I think that's a completely reasonable position. And then you can also hold the belief that if you've watched Cincinnati this year, other than the Notre Dame game, and they deserve all the credit in the world for that game, they just haven't looked overwhelmingly good. Like they're a good football team, but they have not 
if you're going to be Cincinnati, it's in a to me, it's no different than a boxing match. I don't think you can leave it up to a judge's decision. You got to knock them out, and they're just not knocking them out. They're not. They're not knocking them out. Yeah, they're in a good spot. I mean, look, being at number six, I mean, they're, they're, there's a road, there's an avenue, um, and that's okay. Uh, but yeah, they, they didn't. Like, quite frankly, they didn't deserve to be in the top two or three. Uh, now, maybe they did two weeks ago, three weeks ago. But these last couple of games, you know, I don't know if they're getting the other team's best shot, which, you know, breaking news, that's what these great teams all get every week. Yeah, Alabama gets the other team's best shot literally every week. You know, I don't know if they've just had a letdown because, you know, they read their own press clippings. I have no idea. But they have not played tremendous football over the last couple of weeks. You cannot be Cincinnati and struggle with service academies. You just can't. You know, you got to ask yourself, if you're in the committee, how many points of an underdog is Cincinnati to Georgia and to Alabama and to Ohio State? And I would submit that it's a double-digit dog. At I think the question is whether or not it's three scores. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, it, it might be. But they're at least a 10-point dog to Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia. Now, Michigan State and Oregon, whatever. I, I don't know. You know, but to the other three, they're, a, they're at least a double-digit dog. No, to your point, if you were looking at it reasonably and not with a predetermined – because to me the thing that was so interesting and, and kind of funny on Tuesday night, like I could have, I could have just checked the list of journalists – that I knew we're going to have a predetermined take of Cincinnati getting screwed. And it's just like, yep, he's here. Yep. She's here. He's here. He's here. Like it's, it's all like, it was, it was just predetermined that they just decided we're going to be out outraged by this. And to me, when you look at Cincinnati with kind of a critical eye, it's very similar to the UCF season one under Josh Heifel. Scott Frost, they have the undefeated year the previous year. He takes the Nebraska job. Heupel retakes over. They're still undefeated. But if you were watching UCF play that year, you knew, even though sometimes, like, you looked at metrics and you're like, okay, yards per play, they're kind of the same. Like, they, they on paper, they kind of looked like the same team. But you just knew when you were watching the games, like, this just, yeah. this is not as sa the same team as last year. And to your point, I think, Part of the problem that Cincinnati has, it's not their defense. It's not, it's not. I, I think, a mentality and whatnot. I just think their offense isn't that good, and that's why I think they struggle to blow some of these teams out unless they're playing the Temples of the world. Yeah, you know, if it was the, if it was the opposite, their defense wasn't that good, but their offense yeah. was great. I mean, I think you could have a lot more uh, you pass the eye test. But when you struggle to score points against Navy, I mean, that, that, that speaks volumes. I think, well, how, how, if you can't score against Navy, how, if you only put up 27 against Navy, how are you going to score on Georgia? How are you going to score? Point, like, Ole Miss put up 61 points on Tulane. RJ, in three quarters. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a completely different animal. You know, like different athletes, different, different styles. I think Fickle's a fantastic coach. Different levels of quarterback. You know, let's not forget, Ole Miss is going to have a first-round draft pick at quarterback, and, you know, Cincinnati probably isn't. Uh, so, I mean, that, that plays into it. But, you know, but you're right. It was funny. You could you could name the names before they even came out with their tweets and their, their articles 
and you can do the same thing in March. You know, yes. the first time that, you know, Wofford is snubbed, that Dickie V is going to go, you know, pound on the table for the little guy. And that Jay Billis is going to come over the top with the, uh, if you're not in the power five, you don't matter. Like, you can tell all the time in, in these things on, on who is going to, you know, basically trump for who. Yes. And, and you know, to the point that we're disca- that you were mentioning, you know, with Cincinnati being in the same spot, the irony to me is, first off, you get a lot of people that comment on this that don't actually watch college football week in, week out. And I feel like the fact that you and I literally just sit on sit in a chair for 12 hours and watch it, we have a pretty good read on what teams are. Cincinnati is in no different position than they were at the beginning of the year. I thought the beginning of the year, they had as good of a chance as any group of five team to make the playoff. If you look at the rankings, they are still in the same position. You needed at the beginning of the year, in my mind, you can you can kind of check this off as, as what you're going to for sure have in the playoff. You're always going to have an SEC team, and you're probably now always going to have a Big Ten team. So what they needed at the beginning of the year was you needed chaos in the Big 12, chaos in the ACC, and then chaos in the Pac-12. Well, the ACC, unless it's Wake Forest, like that's kind of checked at this point. Like you, You've gotten what you need out of the ACC. We're about to find out with the Big 12. They backloaded their schedule to where we're going to start to see if these teams cannibalize themselves or if someone's going to stand above the rest. And then the Pac-12, it all comes down to Oregon. And I don't think any of us have supreme confidence that Oregon's not going to slip up again. But right. with that being said, like that was what they needed all along. That's where they are. Yeah, it really is. They need help. They need help, but they needed those things to get checked off. And I think the Big 12, the Big 12 is nuts, man. It's always been nuts. It's always going to be nuts. Oklahoma has not shown uh, any level of consistency uh, this season. Even after they brought Caleb Williams in, they've been better. But still, there's very, very little consistency there uh, with the Sooners. So, I mean, they might get it there. And they might get it at Oregon. But, you know, they also need, I mean, we know what they need. They need Georgia to win out, including that game against Alabama. And they need, I would think they need, Michigan State to win out to get Ohio State out of there. Yeah, I think that's fair because if you get two loss Ohio State, yeah, I, th- I, I think even with the brand, I do think that that would be helpful. But let's go to your next point. To me, the actual biggest surprise of the actual rankings was Alabama at number two. And the reason why I thought it was a huge surprise is I thought they had it set up to where it could be very clean. Yeah. Georgia's the unquestioned number one. Nobody's really arguing with that. Like, you know, it's I feel like it's the easiest number one we've had throughout the course of these rankings. Like everyone seems to be like, yeah, okay, they're they're number one. I thought it would have been very easy to go Michigan State in terms of resume, what they've accomplished, they're number two. Because they still have to play the rest of their schedule. And if they keep winning, they're going to be the number two team. And then I thought you'd put Alabama at three and then probably Oregon at four just because it was gonna be a head to head and then Ohio State where it was. The thing that was so interesting to me to listen to them, when you listen to the committee and their justification for Alabama number two, not only was Alabama number two, it wasn't really much of a question for them. And it it just kind of caught me a little by surprise because, you know, I've been talking with you for the last couple of weeks. Are we sure if Georgia knocks off Alabama in the SEC championship game? And let's just say it's a one-score game. Are we sure they're not getting in? Well, I guess my question would that be, you know, 
they would have to be three. They're not going to do a rematch, right? The next I think season. that's fair. You know, so they, they either have to be three or five. And obviously, if you're five, you're out. I'm not positive about that. Um, you know, I'll tell you, I missed. I missed on Oregon at four. I didn't think. And, 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 and the committee showed again. Losses don't hurt you as much as wins help you. The Oregon loss to Stanford, that's a bad loss, man. But it didn't outweigh the win at Michigan, at Ohio State. Uh, I almost pulled a James Franklin there. Uh, it did not outweigh that win. Big wins help you far more than bad losses hurt you. And that's very true with Oregon. But I am not convinced if Bama loses to Georgia on a field goal at the end that they don't stay in the top three. I don't see them going to four. You know, so if Oklahoma's undefeated and uh, Michigan State stays undefeated, then Alabama might get knocked out because I don't think you're going to put Bama ahead of undefeated, you know, power five champs yeah. who would have gone through Baylor, Oklahoma State, and whoever, who would have gone through Michigan, Ohio State, whoever, to get there. I don't think they're going to keep Bama ahead of them. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, you know, I'll give the committee some credit. That Stanford loss for Oregon is a bad loss, but it did almost seem like they did use some context. Okay. Yeah. They find out, like, before the game, their offensive coordinators rush to the hospital for an emergency surgery. Let's also be real. Maybe one of the worst calls we've seen at the end of the game. And I'm not saying, like, Oregon should have not let that game stay that close. Like, they should have just put that thing away. But they didn't. But it also, like, you know, it, it, it was a little murkier of a loss. Yeah, and then what yeah. they, I think what they clearly said is, Oregon has the single best win that we view in this year. And then probably I think they were giving A&M credit for the win over Alabama. And then I think they actually gave Cincinnati credit for their win at Notre Dame. So therefore you see, well, we, we've credited Oregon. They're head-to-head. -head. In our opinion, they, they and Ohio State are pretty even, but they got the head-to-head, -head, so we credit them there. And then Cincinnati was ranked ahead of, like, everyone else in that kind of that next group. And to me, that – I just – it feels as if we do this every single year where it's a television show, everyone forgets it, and everyone wants to start up this debate, and everyone has, you know, honestly an agenda yeah. and their talking yeah. points. The reality is, RJ, we still have a month of football left. And in my experience with this, it usually ends up being pretty clean. Sometimes we argue over number four, but it usually ends up being pretty clean. And it's it just does. kind of – I feel like we're still headed – to a similar direction i think so too and usually number four doesn't have a chance of beating number one anyway uh now this year might the, be ironic part is, the ironic part is the number four seeds that have created the most debate ohio state year one alabama uh the year that they didn't win the west they went on to win the title both of them yeah right yeah it just goes to show you how good those teams actually were now sometimes yeah. you get deeper you know you'll get a deeper field but yeah i, I don't i don't see the Oregon win against Ohio State, that may have been – that's one of the best wins I've seen in a long time. I agree with you. Like, years. Uh, I mean, you, you you got a team coming from another conference, a non-conference game, going on the road, playing somewhere. It rivals – you know, Oklahoma's win with Baker Mayfield at the shoe yeah. uh, was a big one. I mean, that, that was a really, really, really big road win. Uh, so you don't see a whole lot of you know non-conference road wins like that. That was big. And by the way, RJ, 
with their best player, Kayvon Thibodeau, not playing and so depleted on the defensive line, they had their backup tight end learning how to get into a three-point stance on defense and pass rush. Like, that's how depleted they were. I, I completely agree with you. Like, it is, you know, maybe, you know, you can make the argument that Ohio State probably didn't take that game seriously enough. I don't care. That was still an impressive win. And to me, unlike the Alabama loss at Texas A&M, you know, Oregon pretty much got the lead and controlled it for the whole game. I think the game maybe got yeah. tied once, but it's not as if Ohio State took a lead at any point. So right. to me, like, there's a game control element. All right, when we come back, let's get into some of the games of the weekend. We'll find out who is indeed on Upset Alert. We do all that next right here on BetQLU. From tailgates to rushing the field, on Saturday, it's BetQLU in the action. From noon to 8 Eastern, available on BetQL and the Odyssey app. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Welcome back to BetQLU. I'm Jeffrey Wright. He's RJ Choppy. Let's find out who's on Upset Alert. Upset Alert. All right, RJ, do you have anyone in particular that you're putting on Upset Alert? Or what I can do is I can ask you about a few games and ask you if you think these people are on Upset Alert. How are you feeling right now? All right, you know, there's one team that I do think that might be on upset alert. I don't know how much of an upset this really is, but Texas A&M is a four-point favorite against Auburn. Um, I, I think A&M might be due for a loss. I mean, they did not. They, they went on a. They've gone on a pretty decent run here, and this is a quality team. But the quarterback situation has been a mess all year. I do think that they are in a bit of a, a of a tricky spot against a solid Auburn team. Uh, so I, I think I might, I might put A and M on upset alert. I know my Vols are favored on the road against Kentucky. I, I you're not getting me to fall into that trap, my friend. Uh, so I, th- th- I would just say A and M might be the team that is on upset alert. Yeah, I don't hate that in general. On my card, spoiler alert, I did pick A and M only because I think Auburn is a very solid football team. But what concerns me about Auburn is their offensive line's not very good. And to me, that's the strength of Texas A&M's defensive line. And so I think it's a bad matchup there. But from the flip side of it, you know, are we confident Zach Calzada has all of a sudden turned the corner and now he's apparently a, a quarterback without question? Yeah. To me, this yeah. screams of a relatively low-scoring game. And when you have a low-scoring game, it can be flipped by one play. And for all the jokes about Bo Nix and Road Bo, He's been a very solid, solid player this entire year. And to me, like, that is the ultimate coin flip game. I don't really particularly feel great either way. And with that, heck, yeah, give me the dog. Yeah, I I thought, you know, I don't feel great about it either way. Uh, So if it's a 50-50, 
you know, give me that dog. I thought about doing Liberty uh, uh, over over Ole Miss in the Hugh Freeze revenge game, but uh, I just I didn't have the guts. I did not have the guts to do that one. No, it's actually you're a man of actual moral fiber and integrity, unlike Hugh Freeze. So that that's a that's a big part of it. Also, Hugh Freeze when they play a Power Five opponent, if you throw out the COVID year in which he did go three and zero against the spread, but I think we can all kind of acknowledge last year didn't really count when you look right. at when you look at college football in its totality. Oh, and four when he goes on the road. Also, I, I took a listen to what old brother Hugh had to say this week. I don't think he feels good about his chances. He, I think he thinks his. I, I'm telling you, I know when that guy knows he's got a chance when he goes on the road. Yeah, I, I think he thinks that they're going to get absolutely whipped up front. Man, Hugh needs to be on the phone to Lubbock, Texas, and getting ready. He needs to grab that job at Texas Tech. That's what Hugh needs to do right now. Yeah, the problem is, I'm not sure, RJ, are you familiar with what $16 million worth of skeletons looks like? It, 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 well, yes, but we are in Texas, and we ignore uh -huh. those. We ignore yeah, those I mean, in fairness, there. they were throwing Art Bryles' name around, but yeah. <laughs> let me just say this. I think Hugh's at a perfect spot for him at Liberty. I, I, I think that's a good fit. All right, there's a couple of games that, to me, really kind of reflect what we're looking at this weekend because you get Michigan State who just comes off arguably you know one of the five biggest wins of yeah. the year a massive massive win for them I, I credit them because I felt like every single decision they made as a team was trying to win that game and I didn't really feel the same way about Michigan and Kenneth Walker's a Memphis boy much like myself so I'm really pumped for him and, and the type of day that he had doesn't it also just feel perfect that they would turn around the next week and lose at Purdue? Oh, I mean, everyone, because, you know, Purdue has probably giant killers. Yeah, that would be the upset of the year, right? That's the upset of the year, what they did. They beat number, number two team in the nation. Um, I think it still has to be Oregon, right? It's still got to be Oregon over yeah, Ohio. But, you know, Oregon was ranked at least. And, and yeah, and was, they're a better football team. Yeah, and they're a better football team. Purdue's Purdue. Uh, and they had the tweet of the year where they said, hey, we just beat the number two out of Iowa. Out of you. Uh, yeah, it's, it was just fantastic. Um, yeah, I think that you have to consider them a live dog here. They're, they're, they're at home. But then again, here's the other thing. And this is the same thing that I'm – this is the same logic I'll use with Oregon against Washington. The, the carrot has been dangled in front of their – in front of their heads. They are – they see the finish line. They know, dude, if we went out, we have nothing to worry about. They've been told that from the committee. And if, if, if all they've got to do is win out. This has got to be the easiest – a lot of people say this might be a tough coaching job because you've got to keep their, their heads in it. No, man, I, I see this as, as an easy one. It's like, guys, we are here. They have given us this golden opportunity. Do not mess this up. Yeah, and I think in particular with, like, Michigan State, when we discuss it with Purdue, like, if you if you watch Michigan State last week and you kind of watch them this year, they have been susceptible to the pass. I mean, yeah. I, I credit Caden McNamara. I thought, the, I thought the young man played outstanding last week, probably the best game he's ever played. I mean, he was, he was on fire. But that does tell me something about Michigan State's pass defense. Well, what does Purdue want to do? They don't even really try to run the football. Like, they, they just want to sit in the gun, and they want to chunk it around, and it feels like an opportunity. But then 
I feel like the board is filled with games this week where it's it feels like both sides are a trap. Like I can't figure like Michigan State produced perfect. The line's I think three right now. Yeah. I don't know what side the trap is. Like is it you know what I mean? Like Michigan State at a certain point has has earned kind of my trust, but at the same time it's like what are they doing? Like that that, that number scares me. So I, I don't know what side the trap is. Man, I'm I'm almost thinking that the trap is on taking Purdue because I we already know you. them as the as the giant killer. Yeah. You know, and, and and taking Purdue to me, taking Purdue is you're only taking them because you want to believe that they have this giant killer mentality about them. You're trying to outsmart the room, and you're try you're thinking too much. I mean, if you were to just look at that spread. And like you know, I did this in the NFL this week. Yeah. Like the Chargers, the Chargers are a one point favorite over Philadelphia. It's like okay, someone's thinking about that Detroit game a little too much. Like yeah. on the surface, first gut instinct, Justin Herbert is worth more than a point than Jalen Hurts. End of oh story. Oh my god. And like, I, I, end of for story. the record, I am a I'm a Justin Herbert truther. Like I do not believe in him. Uh, yeah. But I, one thousand percent agree with you on that. Yeah. So it's like, okay, even though that, you know, there may be some warts on that Charger team, like, no, stop. One point, uh-uh, taking it. Same thing here. It's like, yeah, I, I know that Purdue beat Iowa, but what is Iowa? Iowa's a team that, I mean, they're, they're not a, I mean, they're a, they were an overrated number two. And I don't yeah, they know. Were that, a team, they were a team that had some really good wins at the early part of the year. They started, they started to sustain some injuries, particularly on their defense. And then their offense was always flawed. And so now we're starting to see what happens. Like, there's a reason why when everyone goes, it's always the same teams. Let me explain to you why it's always the same teams. They have more players. And when yeah. everyone starts to get banged up at this point in the calendar, Georgia can withstand the injuries. Alabama can withstand the injuries. Ohio State can. Whereas yeah. all these other teams, like, they have to really stay healthy to have the special season. They do. Absolutely do. So – yeah, as much as I think people want to bet on Purdue, I think Purdue, that side is the sucker side. I I think you've talked me into that, and I think that's right. Because I think there's also, on top of it, with just with Purdue, you know, you want to see them be the giant killers or whatnot. I think there's this idea of everyone kind of wants to see chaos in, in college yeah. football. And so, therefore, what one of the first dominoes would be Purdue creating chaos. Does the same logic apply with Oregon and Washington, because to me, it's kind of a competing thought. Number one, like, let's be real. Oregon as a favorite is not good. I mean, they sometimes they right. continue to kind of scrape by and win, but I believe they haven't covered their last, I believe it's their last nine as a favorite. But it does feel like there's an element of you kind of want Washington to win because it feels like Oregon's got another loss coming. And I just not sure I really believe in Washington very much. Uh, look, I don't believe in Washington either. I, I, I look at it from the, almost a very similar standpoint of Michigan State. Oregon knows their margin is so small. They can't have a bad game. Uh, I, I don't see this as being uh, a real risky game for Oregon. I mean, shoot. Washington lost to, like, one of the Montana teams. Yeah, so, like, they lost to Montana know. and then UCLA a couple of weeks ago, and I think people thought – Oh, UCLA's turning it around. They're good. It it kind of speaks to your same point. Like, I think people want to believe 
Chip Kelly is an elite coach, despite the fact that there's not really a ton of evidence outside of one specific point in time. And then, you know, we saw what Oregon did. Oregon spotted UCLA three scores, and then they kind of just turned around and dominated. Yeah, I mean, look, Chip Kelly was great at that one specific point in time when he invented or whatever a really unique offense that now everybody else is using. And everybody else just has and, the same And athlete. furthermore, he had a roster that was recruited for him by someone else. That's right. He did. So he had this great roster, and he he was a very unique um, you know, you know, type of an off- offensive play caller guy. And great. Look what happened. It's just like what happened with Alabama. When everybody else was doing the spread, and Alabama woke up and said, hey, you know what? We kind of need to do this, too. But we're just going to do it with five-star guys while you're doing it with four-star guys, and we're going to beat you. Yeah, I'm completely in agreement there. So it also feels like if you bet Washington the whole night, it feels like you're going to be like, oh, this was a mistake. Like, what what, what, what was I doing? What was I doing here? All right, let's take a look at Ohio State and Nebraska. The good kids from Columbus, Ohio, they had their standard uh, play with their food with Penn State. I believe it was nine red zone trips and got two touchdowns last week. Shout out to my guys. Here's the interesting, to me, the interesting thing about this game, RJ. Nebraska has played five games in which they've lost. All have been within one score. And then on the flip side, their three wins, I think they're winning by an average of 40, somewhere around there. Is there any chance Nebraska keeps this more, you know, uglier than we think? I don't see it. Ohio State's clicking. Now, look, they've, they're clicking against – they haven't played the greatest of competition, um, you know, during this the little run. Now, they, they had a good game last week. It was Penn State, but you know, they did struggle there for a little bit. It was – they kind of pulled away at the end. But I don't see this as a close game. I've got a big bag of nothing for Nebraska. I, I, I don't buy the team. I don't buy Scott Frost. You know, they're going to struggle. They're, they're the one program. Of all the programs from the 80s and the 90s that were great, that have gone and completely fallen off the map. I think they're the one program that's going to struggle the most. You're just going to leave your Vols out of this? Uh, Well, they're part of it, but I think it's easier to recruit in Knoxville. I agree. I just think that they're both the exact same. Like, they even are. like they hire UCF coaches. Like, I think they're the exact same thing. <laughs> it's just one is yeah. in Lincoln, Nebraska. The other's in Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah, well, it's just proximity to players. Miami's yeah. in the same boat. Sure. Miami's in the same, but Miami's problem though is money and finances and uh, and facilities. Committing and to stadium, the, committing to being an elite football program. Yeah, their stadium's thirty miles away from campus. Yeah. You know, so a lot of these schools have problems. I think Nebraska's problem is the most unfixable because nobody wants to go there. You know, at least if you're in Miami, you know, it's like, hey guys, like just stay home. You can yeah. stay home, you know. At Tennessee, at least out oh, oh, Atlanta's three hours away and you know, Florida's not that far away, and I could get recruits from North Carolina and South Carolina. I think Nebraska is the is the program from that era, maybe Colorado too, that is going to struggle the most to get recruits because of location to recruits. And then on top of that, like, I think time has proven that maybe the Big 8 was a little bit easier to win than the Big 10, which has 14 yeah, games. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like, there, there's an element of that. An interesting game for me because this is another just feels like both sides are a trap. Wake goes to North Carolina. This is a non-conference game. So Wake can technically lose this and still be undefeated in ACC play. 
because they just decided like, hey, we're only playing like twice every ten years. We want to, we want to play this game. I think Wake's actually good. Yeah, they and are. I don't think North Carolina is. But at the same time, this line has me thinking the smart play might be North Carolina. <laughs> this line's got me screwed up, man. It really does. I don't know why they're a dog. I couldn't tell you why. It's got me completely flustered. Uh, but I, I am on the side of Wake. They're a good team. And that stuns me because of the of Kloss and their coach. But that's a good football team. And they've got playmakers on the outside. Uh, and I know it was Army. And I never thought I would sit up there and say, man, I am, gonna, I am all in on this Army game today. No, it was, but I was all awesome. I was all in on Wake and against Army. And Wake was like, that was like a video game. It was like watching a video game. That was football as God intended it. It was. It really was. I mean, it was just truly remarkable. Like, there's nothing like never sending the punter on the field either team. And the only thing that was holding serve was who turned it over. And then, you know, they, they turn it over with a pick six, and then it feels like, oh, this game's done. And you're like, no, this game still had like another, you know, 20 minutes of solid football in which you never knew what was coming up. I'll tell you what's coming up next here. We got RJ's head fake games. We're also going to get into the betting cards. We do all that next right here on BetQLU. Gates to rushing the field. On Saturday, it's BetQLU in the action from noon to 8 Eastern. Available on BetQL and the Odyssey app. You're listening to BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Welcome back to BetQLU. I'm Jeffrey Wright. He's RJ Choppy. It's time for RJ's Head Fake Games. Head Fake Games. All right, my head fake game for this week. Now, this is an interesting one because, uh, you know, there's there's a couple of routes I could have taken here, but here's the here's the head fake. The head fake game is you have – you're a betting syndicate. You're a make-believe, we're in fantasy land betting syndicate that whenever you place a bet, the casino notices and they change the line. So what the head fake game is, you place a small wager on the other team. So you think the team plus seven is going to win. You place a team that's minus seven. All of a sudden, the line grows, and you get the better odds for you. So I had – I've gone back and forth, Jeffrey, this week. I had Wake Forest as the head fake. I had Oregon as the head fake. No, 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 no. I am going new coach theory. Anytime there's a new coach – Anytime there's a new coach, the team plays better almost instantly. And for that reason, I am head faking TCU against Baylor. TCU's getting six and a half. I'm going to place a small wager on Baylor, boost that line to over a touchdown, hammer them hard with the Frogs over top. New coach theory. They had quit on Gary Patterson. Um, Now, Gary's still helping them prepare for this game. He's going to stick around helping them prepare. Uh, but, you know, TCU, and, and one of the reasons he was let go, people believe that's a better roster than has performed on the field. Give me TCU, head fake it right there. Well, I think also why this might be the right play, Jerry Kill's taking over. 
And if I know anything about my experiences watching Jerry kill football, there will not be any of this, hey, we've got this guy named Zach Evans. We're only going to give it to him 12, 13 times a game. Right. Jerry will do the, the same thing that Steve Sarkeesian has done to B. John Robinson. Here you go, young man. You yeah. go cover the mail. <laughs> go carry right. it all day, all day. And he's a really good freaking football player. Yeah, he is. That's a good team. This is one of this was one of Gary's better rosters, and yeah, um, and it's just uh, I'm I'm with you. I I don't hate the idea. Now, I did go with uh, the opposite idea last week with Oklahoma and Texas Tech, in which I was like, okay, well they fired Wells, but it was kind of the opposite in that I thought Wells kind of had his guys playing hard, and you know maybe they just weren't that good, and then they fired him, and sure enough, like that team. You saw Sonny Cumbie was getting into fights with his own players as the interim. Yeah. Like, that was a mess. Whereas this team, I think you're right. They've underachieved all the way this the year. Way. And so maybe maybe a new voice will, will indeed help them. All right, let's get into the betting cards as well. The betting card. All right, RJ, I yield to you. All right, I don't have as big. I, I have a very small card this week. Not a whole lot of games, plus a uh, a four team pizza money parlay. Uh, I've got Missouri plus thirty nine against Georgia. This is a five star BetQL bet. Uh, you know, and and it might, the motivation here is not that Georgia's not thirty nine points better. It's that does Georgia care enough about being thirty nine points better? Uh, you know, th- this this has a the makings of a thirty eight nothing game with a backdoor seven points at the end for Missouri. Uh, so give me Missouri plus the 39. Uh, RJ, are I'm you scared gonna... at all that Missouri has not covered a line all year? I am scared that Missouri is Missouri. Yes. And that, like, that, that's what To your me. point, like, maybe there – so many people have been betting against Missouri now the number's finally like, okay, they're, this, you just have to take it. I mean, we're talking about dang near 40 points here. That's a lot. Florida covered that, it. I know. I know. I am a little scared. Uh, Michigan State minus three against Purdue. 98, uh, 93% of the sharp money is on Michigan State. 93% of the sharp money. I'm taking them. I'm taking SMU minus the four and a half against Memphis. Uh, I know this game is, uh, is a backyard game for you. Uh, SMU, man, that was a I, I like the play. Lunch. I'm not sh- I think Memphis got quarterback problems. Yeah, and, and SMU's quarterback is, is phenomenal, and that was yes. a crushing loss for them last week. Uh, I like Oregon minus seven against Washington, 98% of the uh, the pro money uh, on Oregon, and then Wake plus the two and a half uh, against UNC. I've got a four-team pizza money parlay. Ten bucks will pay you 323 Woo, that's a lot. Uh, Wyoming money line. Florida International money line. Wake Forest money line, and then Auburn money line. Ten for three twenty-three. That's a pretty solid payout. All right, let's get into the card. I tend to agree with you on a lot of that, but I was kind of scared to take them. Let's start first with a game that probably is currently on. I just want everyone to know that it is indeed on my card. Utah and Stanford. It appears that Tanner McKee probably not going to play. I'm taking under fifty-two and a half when Stanford does not have Tanner McKee on the field. They cannot score, and it's really, really bad. RJ, I, I understand the idea of taking Missouri. It's a five-star bet over at BetQL, but I'm a man of principle, and I have two principles right now. If Georgia's playing, I'm betting on them, and if yeah. Missouri's playing, I'm betting against them. So I have a double principle play here. 
laying 39 and a half. I really, what I think it boils down to is I don't know how Missouri scores. And more importantly, Missouri's run defense is horrific. So I think Georgia can like accidentally score. This feels like the, (laughs) this feels like the Vanderbilt game all over again for Missouri. RJ, we've also got another principal play when two service academies are playing. Since 2005, the under is 39 and 1. Give me under 37 and a half. I don't care how low the number is in Air Force and Army over at Jerry's World. Uh, so Ole Miss low. and Liberty, I'm taking minus nine. I just, Liberty has given up, even to bad teams, nearly six yards per carry. When Ole Miss can run the football, they are lethal on offense. I think they're going to be able to run it quite well. I'm sticking with my boys from Columbus. Ryan Day in conference play 13-5-1 against the spread, including an 8-1-1 mark against the spread on the road. Give me the Buckeyes minus 14.5. This is a kind of I think they got overvalued play, and it's also a whose line is it anyway because it's the ACC. The points don't really matter. Give me Georgia Tech plus 10.5 against Miami. I know Miami's had two wins in a row as an outright dog. I think they're getting a little overvalued. For the same reason you mentioned the TCU game, I think both teams are going to try to run it. I don't think Aranda is all that concerned with anything more than getting out of there with a win. Give me under 58 and a half in that game. One thing I know about Navy, you can score on them. One thing I know about Notre Dame, you can score on them. Give me over 47 and a half. I understand there's lots of big J journos out there that don't particularly care for Mike Gundy's politics and his view on what type of news network to watch. I think my guy's underrated in terms of what he does against the spread. He has covered six straight games. I still think West Virginia stinks. Give me Oklahoma State minus three and a half. I really don't feel great about this, but I think I'm trusting my eyes. I think Auburn's offensive line is straight up bad. I've watched them multiple weeks in a row. I think they want to be the really physical team that runs it down your throat. But if you can't run it on Ole Miss at will, not sure you can run it on Texas A&M. Give me the Aggies, minus four and a half. Give me NC State, minus two and a half against Florida State because this is an FU spite bet. I was on the under last week in the Florida State-Clemson game, RJ, during the play that happened at the end of the game. It absolutely killed me. And so this is just a classic, uh, God, if you're listening, uh, let NC State cover here because Florida State most certainly doesn't deserve to cover the rest of the year. Colorado State, Wyoming. We got 20-mile-per-hour crosswinds out in the fields of Laramie. Give me under 41. Mississippi State and Arkansas. Give me under 55 and a half. In SEC West play, again, under Mike Leach, the under for Mississippi State is 7-2. and two. I know you don't want to touch it. I think the Vols are legitimately competent. I think they're good. I also think maybe the rabbit's foot's running out with Kentucky. Give me the Vols minus one. Alabama under Nick Saban in SEC play at home, 13-6 and six since 2017 against the number LSU, I think, has Q-U-I-T as they did not even have enough players last week to finish practice. Uh, give me Alabama minus 28 and a half. Also, come on, dude. We got to have a pole assassin game. Give me Iowa yeah. State minus six and a half. There's no way Texas is ready for an actual football game this week. Oh, man. Did you see the Washington State rumor about him 
yes. coaching Washington State and that he wouldn't be able to because he would have to either ditch the girl or the girl would have to ditch the monkey because you can't yeah. have exotic animals in Washington. I like how and- it's I like how it's also it's not that oh you left your wife and kids for a stripper. No, it's because the monkey bit a kid. Like we can't have that. Like I do. Yeah. <laughs> I do like that. That's the logic. It's 2021, man. Like, you can't tell anybody what to do anymore. Hey, you man. You can't, you can't judge morals. Everybody's morals are different. But the, the moment you have a monkey bite a child, all bets are off. And secondly, is, is there not a – like, the best nicknames are blank assassin. Yes, absolutely. Like, whatever whatever your nickname is going to be, put it in front of the word assassin, endgame. That's the best nickname out there. I also love how the only other footage we had of the pole assassin was taped from the Jerry Springer show. Like, I, that was just the most, like, check, check, check. Yep. I got to also be honest with you. I saw her work on the Jerry Springer show. I don't know if that's a pole assassin. Like, that felt like, like, a, no. like a, a, a pole strangler at best. Yeah, I think so. I, I, you know, I never would have guessed that you mm-hmm. could have somebody with, uh, you know, have that job have that job with that lifestyle. I couldn't have guessed that one. Yes, I mean, that was just truly stunning. What a freaking sport we have. College football, there's absolutely nothing like it. One of the BetQL five-star bets that I do actually like, I also don't hate if you don't want to take my under 41, if that's too that's too low for your blood out there. I don't hate Wyoming getting three and a half. Colorado State is the most mismanaged program I think I've ever seen. So that's a BetQL five-star bet that I don't hate as well. We are here each and every Friday night at 11 Eastern and also when you wake up all morning long on Saturdays. Then once the games kick off, it's BetQLU in the action. Eight hours of in-depth college football preview and reaction. It's all on BetQL and it's all available on the Odyssey app. I'm Jeffrey Wright. He's RJ Choppy. Thanks for listening and watching BetQLU. From tailgates to rushing the field, on Saturday, it's BetQLU in the action. From noon to 8 Eastern, available on BetQL and the Odyssey app.